Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled The Sukkah and Sleeplessness. And in this class we're going to learn the greatness and specialty of the sukkah. And yet why nonetheless we don't sleep inside of it. So we know sukkah is coming. And I see we already put one man to sleep. Sukkah is coming. We're, hopefully everyone has already organized their plans for sukkah, where they'll be. There's a big Kiddush on Shabbos. The sukkah is one of the most majestic mitzvahs in the public eye that we do. You know, you, you, you drive and you, you see these beautiful sukkahs. Anyone know why we sit, why we eat in a sukkah? Yeah, to remind us of the exodus and uh, the shelter and the clothing all the miracles that Hashem uh, provided for us. To remind us, tell us something. Clouds of glory. To remind us of the protection that Hashem gave us while we were traveling from Egypt to Israel. Hashem protected us. Basically, He kept us in a safe sukkah. So, similarly, we, every year, we eat in a sukkah. Why do we eat in a sukkah when it rains? Why don't we do it at least in the summer when it would really fit the, uh, fit the time? It occurs at a specific time because of the exodus of eating on, I believe the sea of reeds. Um, and when the commandment was given, Hashem didn't say, well, I'd like you to do this whenever you can work it into the calendar. <laughs> So the reason we don't do it at a convenient time is for that reason. We want to make sure it's not convenient. What do I mean? I've been to houses where they have a sukkah during the summer. They made one on purpose. It's such a beautiful thing. They have a garden and they put up... So if we would be sitting in the sukkah during the summer, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing anything. People wouldn't ask, hey, what are you doing? They'd say, let me join you. In order to make sure that we're clear, that we're doing this because we're remembering the cloud of glory, Hashem said, in the winter. So we gather in the winter inside of this sukkah. We do everything in it. Your home should be the sukkah. You need to eat, sukkah. Talk to someone, sukkah. Shmooze, sukkah. Sleep, sukkah. Your home transforms into the sukkah. It's not Lubavitch Minhag, but many branches of Judaism also decorate the uh, sukkah in memory of the Harvest Festival and bringing uh, Bechor, I don't know if uh, Bechorim is the right word. Bikurim. Bikurim, thank you. I knew I was wrong. To temple on the pilgrimage festival and the fruits remind them of that. And we'll, we'll get back to that, why some people decorate it and we don't, and if I don't, please remind me at the end of the class. The sukkah, a, a house, needs four walls. If it only has three walls, what's it called? Lean-to. <laughs> a temporary shelter. I don't know if it, it would be. I don't even know if it would be a temporary shelter. It's a. It's just a place. It would be called a bus stop, right? Bus stops have three walls. <laughs> and yet we learn a sukkah. If it has two and a half walls, even. It could be counted, as four walls. How? It's a simple. One wall, we're going to say, is the front entrance. <laughs> it happens to be a big front entrance, but okay. 
So you only need three walls. The third wall, as long as you have more than half of the wall, we consider it as if the whole wall is there. A thief, one time he entered a sukkah and he stole some items. So the man comes and he says, I have, how did you get in here? I have four walls. I only have two and a half, but the Torah says it's as if I had four. Okay, so we, we take our house, transforms into the sukkah. Begs the question, we're scrupulous in all the mitzvot we do. We want to be on top of our game. And as we'll learn soon, of course, the previous rabbis, the, the rabbim, they were really on top of their game. And yet, they intentionally wouldn't sleep inside of the sukkah. Why is it that we don't sleep in the sukkah? Not only, some, you may say we're lazy. Fine. Uh, no problem. I'll, I'll, you call me lazy? Fine. I don't mind being lazy. But the catch is, that sleeping in the sukkah, which is important, we don't do. But drinking water in the sukkah, which is unimportant, we do do. That means we've taken unimportant things, drinking water, which we could seemingly do outside of the sukkah and we'll only drink it in, in the sukkah. And sleeping in the sukkah, which is important, we don't do. Let's see the question inside. It's a very important question. It's a very foundational question. And this will lead us into a beautiful understanding of, of Sukkot. And I'd like to read to you a quote from Lakutei Sichos. Uh, that is the two um, italic paragraphs. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe displayed two contrasting modes of behavior with respect to dwelling in the Sukkah. He was scrupulous with regard to eating and drinking exclusively in the Sukkah, so much so that he would not even drink water outside it, but he slept in his house. It would seem that the opposite should have been the case. The obligation to sleep in a sukkah carries a greater stringency than that of eating and drinking there. For one may eat a livery paste and surely drink water outside the sukkah while even a short nap is prohibited outside the sukkah. Sleeping even the shortest nap is prohibited outside the sukkah. And yet, we sleep in the house. Drinking water outside the sukkah is permitted. And yet we only drink it in the sukkah. Anthony, question clear? We'll, 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 get, we'll get into it. But, you're, but In Israel, don't they sleep in their sukkahs? Good question. And, and let me, let, let's clarify here. There are many holy people that sleep in the sukkah. Halacha says, the Torah says, you need to sleep in the sukkah. The Torah is clear, you need to sleep in your sukkah. And that is exactly the conversation here. Why is it that many have the custom not to sleep in the sukkah? And we're going to, tonight, we're going to discuss why the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, and myself included, why don't we sleep in the sukkah? There may be different reasons. I'll share with you our approach. Yes, Basha, just one moment. Yes, Basha. Isn't there also a, a thing about if you're uncomfortable that you shouldn't? That's correct. That's coming. That is correct. <clears throat> but we'll have a question on that. We'll get there. Yes, David. Uh, Shulchan Aruch Harav. Is yes. that the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch? Yes, yes. Uh, now, good. thank you for pointing it out. Tonight we're going to be quoting from different sources. Um... Shulchan Aruch Harav, 
is the Shulchan Aruch that the Rav, Rav Shneir Zalman, the same author of the Tanya, he wrote. But yet every halacha that we're going to learn tonight is uh, equally agreed upon in every code of Jewish law that you're going to learn. Just any questions? Except practice might be different for some people. Well, exactly, because we're going to, yes. yes. We're going to learn tonight that the Alter Rebbe tells us to sleep in a sukkah, and we're going to learn that nonetheless we don't sleep in the sukkah. Okay. Minhog. Right? Anthony, you've never had this, where you told your children to do something and they did the opposite. You've never seen that before, no, right? just every day. <laughs> and that certainly doesn't apply to Jews. <laughs> yes, Phil. So sorry to ask a naive question, but the sukkah is open on top. Is that true? You tell me. What do we put on top of the sukkah? Schach. We put branches, earth. Well, not earth. We put... So um, you can still see the sky, though. You have to see the sky. Right, it's the opposite of a chuppah, right? Base, yes. Okay, yeah. so, yeah. so if it's open on top and you're living in cold weather areas, right, you're yeah. getting rain and snow falling through the roof. So we're going to deal with this, and that's similar to what Basha said. We're going to talk about that tonight. So l let's begin. Where do we begin? In the sukkah, to repeat in general, we need to do everything inside of the sukkah. Whatever we do in our house, we do in the sukkah. Number one, let's read quote number one. <clears throat> it is permitted to drink any beverage, even wine, outside the sukkah, even if one drinks more than a revius, even if one is drinking more than three ounces. So, Halacha tells us if you drink under three ounces, you haven't drunk anything. But here we say, <laughs> here we're, or 2.7 ounces to be, to be exact. But once you've drink, drunk 2.7 ounces, that's a substantial amount. And yet we're learning even that amount you're allowed to drink outside of the sukkah. Drinking outside of the sukkah is okay. Why? Because... Nevertheless, one who is stringent with himself and drinks no beverage, even water outside the sukkah, is praiseworthy. You want the sukkah, you want to do everything in the sukkah. Yet, if you don't, you only do the important or highlights of your house in the sukkah, that would be okay. Meaning, we oftentimes will go drink something outside of our home, we'll be in our car drinking, but in your car, you shouldn't, you may, but you shouldn't be having a proper lunch. You should, you should sit down in your house and have lunch. You shouldn't be eating it on the fly. So therefore, liquid, I, you could drink outside of the home. But a snack, or, we'll learn, you could eat, but a real lunch you have to have in the sukkah. So can you drink water outside of the sukkah? Yes. If you remember the initial quote, yeah. are we strict to drink water in the sukkah if we can? Praiseworthy. Praiseworthy. And in practice, was the previous rabbi strict about water? Yes. So much, he was scrupulous with regard to eating and drinking exclusively in the sukkah. So much so, he would not even drink water outside it. This is from the top italic paragraph. So to repeat, halakhically, there is no problem drinking water outside of a sukkah. But yet the previous rabbi was scrupulous about it. That's not a question. That's nice. It's nice to be, to do what's praiseworthy. Is this Schneerson S O H N? 
This is the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law. Schneerson, S-O-H-N? Number two. Okay. Number two. One may take a snack outside the sukkah. Again, a snack. You may have a granola bar in the car. That's okay. And I, the truth is, the granola bar is not really okay because it's mezonot. When we're saying you could take a snack outside the sukkah, ideally we're talking about something that is not made out of wheat. You want to have an apple, a pear. What is that word you used and what does it mean? Mizonot. Mizonot yes. is the blessing you make on cake and cookies. Okay. And yeah. Thank you. So to be clear, so long as you haven't established a meal, you could eat, it outside, eat or drink outside the sukkah. But now we're going to learn in quote number two something fascinating. When it comes to sleep, there's no measurements. You can't say I'm going to take a snooze in my car. You know why? Because, let's read it inside, the wording is amazing. One may not, however, take even a short nap outside the sukkah. Why? With regard to sleep, no distinction should be drawn between a nap and sound sleep. Since sometimes a person will doze off briefly, and that will suffice. We all know those times. You go to sleep for an hour, you wake up a mess. You needed a whole. You go to sleep for a half hour, you're ready to rock and roll, right? Have you had that before? Maybe not. But some, some of us are familiar with this. Ten minutes. <laughs> ten, ten minutes. Just a couple of times a day. <laughs> so if you're, um, see if I've got it right. Sleep is like one sixtieth of death. Yes. So if you're taking a nap, is that also seen as you're still in one sixtieth of death? Yes. When a person m moves from being awake to taking a nap, that transition is when the soul is, in a sense, removing itself in part from its body. Its body. Yes. Hence, for him, someone who takes even him or her, someone who's taking this short nap, this is considered as sound sleep that obligates him to enter the sukkah. Anthony, you ever had where you went to sleep for an hour and you woke up the next morning? Sure. Obligates him to enter the sukkah. No, it was like When sleep, you don't know how powerful that sleep is going to be. And therefore, even the smallest snooze is enough to necessitate us going into the sukkah. So we don't care how deep it is, it's just the exactly. idea that you enter it. Exactly. So let's review. Sleep at any rate must be in the sukkah. No questions asked. Drinking water can certainly be outside of the sukkah. It's nice to do it inside, but there's no problem <laughs> drinking water outside of the sukkah. Let's now review the practice of the previous Rebbe. He would drink water in the sukkah and only drink water if he's in the sukkah and he would sleep outside the sukkah. Is the question clear now, Anthony? Yeah, you just said two complete opposite things. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, why, is that, why is that permitted? If, if, if nap is considered potentially as deep sleep, you're not allowed to nap in the sukkah. Or you're not allowed to nap outside the sukkah. Yeah. Why are you allowed to sleep in your house. You're not allowed to. But he did anyway. So he did. This, 
It's no, he like did. he's doing the opposite. Exactly. That is the question. That is our question. That's Fantastic. Cool. Sharon, is the question clear? Huh? Why did he sleep outside the sukkah? Well, yeah. Why is he not only that, and but he's reversing the other two? Though. Exactly. Why is he being scrupulous? Sorry. Why is he being scrupulous? Yeah. To dr he's taking the extreme and saying, "I'm going to be that contrary person." I'm I'm going to be well, much more. I'm going to be the stringent person that will not even drink water outside the sukkah. I'm going to be I'm going to be the holiest of holy. And yet, when it comes to sleeping, he's I'm out yeah. in the sukkah. Okay. It's a good question, right? Yes, Basha. But I think where I got lost is one place to sleep. Is that was it the altar rabbi that said that you don't have to sleep in the sukkah? I have quoted to you from the altar rabbi. These two quotes are taken from Shulchan Aruch Harav, chapter six hundred and thirty-nine. Sorry, to be clear. Under each one of these numbers, on the left-hand side, in smaller font, there is... It's, it's quoting you Shulchan Aruch HaRav. The citation. Yes, it's the citation. This is from the Alter Rebbe. What is Harav? Harav means the rabbi. At the time, the Alter Rebbe was established across the world as the rabbi. Quite a title to be given. If you go to any shul in, in the world and you say, Do you have a Shulchan Aruch HaRav? This is what they'll be referring to the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. There are several Shulchan Aruchs, and that's yet. how this one is designated. So the Alter Rebbe is clear you must sleep in the sukkah, and yet his own descendant, six generations later, is specifically not sleeping in the sukkah. How could this be? So, as everyone brought up, there is a discussion what happens in, uh, in Alaska or in Siberia or in places where it rains. Do you have to sleep in the rain? You may as well not sleep. <laughs> you go into your sleeping not bag here. and... No, not here. It's never rained. David has not seen rain if anyone wants to share with him. Let's read quote number three. Here we go. Cold regions where the weather will make sleeping in the sukkah uncomfortable if one does not have enough pillows and blankets there is no requirement to sleep in the sukkah. So, in other words, if you, if you need a heater in the sukkah, then you don't have to sleep in the sukkah. Moreover, there is room for leniency even if one has sufficient bedding, but he cannot prepare a place for it in the sukkah. You have a small sukkah. You, don't, you have one... <laughs> You have enough room either for your table or for your bed. Now in your home, most people, you don't have a table that you turn into your bed. You have a table and you have a bed. And you don't every day make a big... If your sukkah is not big enough for your table and bed, and every day you'd have to make a big changeover, you wouldn't do that in your house. You don't need to do that in, do that in the sukkah. Moreover, back inside, there is room for leniency even if one has sufficient bedding, but he cannot prepare a place for it in the sukkah for all seven days of the, of the festival, so that he will not have to go to the trouble of removing it from the sukkah at mealtimes, and then returning it to the sukkah for sleeping. If your sukkah is not big enough to leave your table and bed there, you don't have to. Why? Because if this entails so much trouble that were he to be faced by such a difficulty at home, he would not sleep at home. 
He's not obligated to sleep in the sukkah. You have to live in the sukkah like you'll sleep in your house. If it's raining in your house, you'd go to a hotel. So if it's raining in the sukkah, go to a hotel. For whoever suffers discomfort while dwelling in the sukkah is not obligated to dwell in it. As stated in section 640. So if you're suffering from sleeping in the, from being in the sukkah, you don't need to be there. So Rabbi, is it, I forgot his name, Rabbi Karo, who did the initial? Rabbi Yosef Karo, yeah. So what did he say about being uncomfortable? He's we don't follow Carol. He said the same thing. The same thing. Wow. Never heard this. But it's important. It doesn't generally come out. We don't follow Carol. Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Ashkenazi. know enough of Carol. Ashkenazi don't follow Carol. I I'm going to quote. Let, let, let me quote okay. directly from the one saying Rabbi Yosef Karo. I can't think of the name of the other one that wrote it. Rabbi Moshe Isserlich. Huh? Rabbi Moshe Isserlich, the Ramah. Rabbi Isserlich wrote the same and he deferred to Rabbi Karo. But if there's any question at all, we follow Isserlich. Just one second. You follow Isserlich. <laughs> Let, let's, let's focus. Six. Here we go. Say something. Back me up. <laughs> You're on your own. He knows I'm right. Mitzta'er. This is Reb, this is Reb, um, Yosef Cairo. He's writing this. this. We're now in chapter 640. Halacha number 4. Mitzta'er patur min hasukkah. Someone in pain is exempt from the sukkah. Eizahu mitzta'er. What is the definition of pain? Someone who can't sleep in the sukkah because of winds, or because of flies and mosquitoes, and similarly, or because of smell. So now, just to clarify, because I have Rabbi David here who's having a serious debate about Rabbi Yosef Kara and Rabbi Moshe Isserlis. Anytime Rabbi Moshe Isserlich has a comment on Rabbi Yosef Cairo, we'll follow his comment as an Ashkenazi, correct? So I'll read his comment, which is interesting. What's his comment? He says, Basically he says, you remember how I told you if it smells bad, you don't have to sleep there? He says, well, if you put it in a sm bad smelling place, then you better sleep there. Or if, he said, if you have an option, right, to put it in any place in your city and you stick it inside of a terrible place, that's not, don't, don't blame it on the smell, etc. He goes on. But nonetheless, there's no argument about this. If someone is in pain, they don't need to sleep in the sukkah, according to all opinions. So in terms of the, the do they match pretty much? What Joseph, Joseph Carroll has said, because it seems like, man, how is how is the harabs di different? Oh, you're asking what's the different types of shulchan yeah. 
That's a class of its own. But in 10 seconds, the answer is, from when Rabbi Yosef Kara wrote his Shulchan Aruch, till the Alter Rebbe wrote his Shulchan Aruch is a few hundred years, and there had been a lot of new in- innovation and new innovation within Torah study, so the Alter Rebbe incorporated that new innovation in his Shulchan Aruch. Um, and, and, yes, that's a simple answer. Yeah. Okay, so now we have a simple answer. How could it be that, yes, we're scrupulous to drink water inside of a sukkah and sleep outside? Very simple. The water wasn't a bother. So we try and drink water inside of the sukkah. Sleeping, it, it was a very big bother. Not only a bother, a bother, it was extremely cold where the previous Rebbe was living, and therefore, we didn't sleep in the sukkah. Good answer? This is the answer Basha started off immediately with. We could have gone home immediately because Basha presented this answer right away, correct? The problem is, there are times you don't need to drink water in a sukkah, even according to all opinions. Let me give you an example. Sharon, when do you not need to eat in a sukkah? When, <coughs> excuse me. No, no worries. When does a person... The stuff is getting my throat right no, now. No worries, no worries. <coughs> Phil, when do you... Uh, you want to try? What? When you're eating in the rain. If it's raining and the water's going to fall in the... How much rain? You're going to like this. How much rain needs to fall to be considered rain that you don't need to eat in the sukkah, Anthony? Did you ever think about that question? The definition of rain to exempt you? By Shamanda, what's the definition of rain to exempt you from eating in the sukkah? Okay, well that's just five drops. It, it needs to cover your smallest toe. Cover your smallest toe. Smallest toe. It's got to be like that. If it can cause the food to spoil. It sounds very... It's actually really specific. If it could cause the fastest spoiling food to spoil. <laughs> so the rabbi, it seems like there's a logical problem that I mean we can vary from the Shulchan Aruch by um, on almost anything by going to an exception that gee it's difficult I have to drink the milk because uh -uh. I have to eat the meat even though I've drunk milk because the meat is about to spoil. Or if I let it go one more minute, it, it will spoil. It just seems like... But I mean, it seems like there, there are ways around almost any rule then. That's, that's what bothers me about all this. I'm not understanding. You need to sleep in the sukkah. Yes. But if you're not able to sleep, it's too cold, you won't be able to fall asleep, then you don't need to sleep in the sukkah. Right. Okay, so what's the question on that? Nothing, but if you apply that to something else, to another rule, let's say, um, if, if you've uh, had meat, and something's wrong with it so that you don't want to 
or you can't eat it anymore, it's spoiled, then the only thing, and if the only thing left is something dairy, then you go to the dairy. It's still a violation. This still seems like a violation. Oh, I think I get the question. The Torah, the, the Torah tells us you need it, and we, this was mentioned in number three. You only need to be in the sukkah if that's the way you'd be in your house. Just like in your house, you won't be there if you can't fall asleep. If, it's gonna, if you're going to have a terrible stench in your house, you'll go to a hotel. If it's leaking in your house, you'll go to a hotel. That is the definition. The Torah says you need to live in, live in your sukkah like you live in your house. If you wouldn't live in your house that way, you don't need to live in your sukkah that way. So it's like an extension of your house. Exactly. Exactly. And therefore, the, the scenario we're talking about is where you won't fall asleep in your sukkah. The Torah clearly told us by saying you need to live in the sukkah like your house, that if you can't sleep that way in your house, you don't have to sleep that way in the sukkah. So it's not meant to be a punishment. It's not a punishment. It's not even an exception. This is a clarification the Torah made. But where did the Torah say this? I just don't know. I mean, not to... I'll tell you. The, the Torah says you need a... You need a... Tashuvu ke'en taduru. To quote, this is a... You have to... Tashuvu ke'en taduru. You have to rest in the sukkah like in your house. That's based off of the passage of where the Torah, where the Torah explicitly tells us. Yeah, but this is. Yeah. It's also a section of the Mishnah and a whole tractate in the Gomorrah that's huge. It's two art scroll volumes. Yes, sir. Well, I just wondered: is uh, it an obligation to build a sukkah for every family? Is that, or is it just if you want to? Is everyone who who's supposed to make no. the sukkah? Does everyone, is there a, there's a mitzvah for everyone to have their own Sefer Torah. Everyone here has a mitzvah to write your, do you know how to write a Sefer Torah? Do you know how to write one? Do you know how to write one? You all have here have a mitzvah to have your own Sefer Torah. There is no mitzvah to have your own sukkah. There's a, there is a mitzvah to eat in the sukkah. But one communal sukkah will do the trick. So when you can go visit one and... You can go visit one. I will mention though, there is a mitzvah to help in building it, there is. It is very special to help in building a mitzvah. Help, so you don't have to have your own. You don't even have to build it, but it is special to try and help. And not that you need to schlep wood and hurt your back, you know. But uh, taking a hose and cleaning it down from dirt is also helping clean the sukkah. If you don't have any open sky either, I don't build my sukkah anymore because the trees have grown together. I don't have. There's no way I can do it. Or you live in an apartment complex. <laughs> Fair enough. One more question, and then I want to move ahead. Um, if the sukkah is built in a place that is um, not smelling well, it's a simple number that that invalidates that anything is mm -hmm. Correct. Don't build the don't build the sukkah in a bad smelling place. Okay. So seemingly, we're trying to say that the reason the previous Rebbe slept in his home was because he couldn't have fallen asleep outside. It was too cold in Russia where he was. Problem. N number four. 
When is it permitted to leave the sukkah because of rain with regard to the meals of the festival other than on the first night? On the first night of sukkah, by the way, important to know this, on the first night of sukkah, you must eat in a sukkah. Not only you must eat in a sukkah, the Torah says, even if it's raining, that is a night that rain will not exempt you, exempt you from eating in the sukkah. The first night, we eat in the sukkah, raining or rain not. That's what, we, that's what it says here. Let's read it again. When is it permitted to leave the sukkah because of rain, other than on the first night? In other words, on the first night, rain will not exempt you. Okay? When are you allowed to leave? Aside from the first night, when so many drops of rain descend into the sukkah that, were they to fall into a cooked dish of bean, which spoils quickly if only a small amount of water is added to it, that dish would spoil. In such a situation, a person may leave the sukkah even though he does not have cooked food in the sukkah at this time. A person who does not know how to calculate such a measure should reckon. If this same quantity of rain would come down into his house, he would leave his house, he may leave the sukkah. Right? So again, um, Sandra, you see that point here. If it is raining, you do not need to eat in the sukkah. And yet, the previous Rebbe would always drink water in the sukkah, even if it was pouring outside. So our initial answer that the reason he didn't sleep in the sukkah was because it wasn't comfortable, it can't be. It wasn't a matter of comfortability. We, we know that he, the previous Rebbe, comfortable or not, he would drink inside the sukkah. So then why? Why did he not sleep in the sukkah? If he went to every extreme to drink and eat in the sukkah was something which isn't so important, so go to an extreme and sleep in the sukkah. And now we're going to learn, and that's how I, that's the title of the class, the, uh, the specialty of the sukkah. We're going to learn the specialty of the sukkah. The sukkah surrounds us. And as we're learning in Tanya, every energy that comes within us has two parts. There is the part that surrounds us, the makif, and the part that comes internal within us, the panimi. And whenever we learn in Kabbalah, it's always the same. The internal and external, the part that surrounds us and the part that internalizes within us, each have a quality. When something internalizes with us, that's amazing, it's become a part of us. But that means it's a limited energy that's able to descend within us. When something surrounds and hover over us, that is a very big deficiency. It's not really uniting with us, but it's a quality that means it's, a, it's such a big energy that can't come within us. Let's repeat that again. If you could put something inside of this bottle, that's cool, because now the bottle contains it, but it, then it's a limited amount of energy within it. If you have an energy that is much bigger than this bottle, that's cool because it's a really big energy, but it's a deficiency that it's not able to go within. Internal is good, but it's limited. Surrounding is good, but it doesn't internalize within you. Any questions? No, but what does that relate to now? <laughs> I lost trust. No. Bear that thought for a minute. Okay. Now let's look at the sukkah. The sukkah surrounds us. That means it's an energy that is surrounding us. It is one of the greatest energies. This energy surrounding, what is the energy that surrounds us called? It's called... Makif. 
Makif means to surround. Hakafa, we make hakafot on on Simchat Torah. We're so we're going around the bima. Makif means to surround us. Bina is the second to the highest level. There's chachma, wisdom, bina, understanding. The sukkah is the power of. Don't forget these two words. Makif the bina. The surrounding energy, which we said it, just the moment it surrounds you is tremendous, and it's the surrounding energy of Bina. So number five, the Mitla Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe, he asks his Hasidim, he says, how is it possible to sleep in Makifim de Bina? He, he turns to his, his followers, he says, I, I can't sleep in a sukkah. Why can't I sleep in the sukkah? Because I'm feeling the energy that's in here. I'm feeling the makif, the surrounding energy of bina that's within the sukkah. He gave himself an out. What? Effectively gave himself an out. <laughs> that statement, that question. Well, he was actually he was turning to his followers and saying, "And how could you sleep in the sukkah?" Like, how, how, are you, how are you comfortable to sleep there? Now, what's the problem sleeping in a holy place? Could anyone tell me? History shows us we don't sleep in holy places. How do we know that? Yaakov, if you know, Jacob was running away from his uncle. Jacob was running away from his brother Esau. He had just stolen the first... The, he had just stolen the blessing from... Right, we're, we're all familiar with the story? Yitzchak was, felt he was about to die. He turns to his firstborn son, Asaph. He says, I want to bless you. Rivka heard, Rebecca heard, and she, she turned to Yaakov and said, I know you bought the firstborn right. Whole trick. Anyways, Yaakov is running away because his brother wants to kill him. And he gets to the Temple Mount. He doesn't know it's the Temple Mount. And he goes to sleep. And he dreams. What's the dream? There's a ladder. A ladder reaching heaven with angels going up, angels going down. Number six. And Jacob awakened from his sleep and he said, Indeed, the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Hashem is here and I did not know it. So says Rashi and I did not know it. For had I known, I would not have slept in such a holy place. How could you sleep in such a holy place? Yaakov was telling himself, he's like, if only I had known where I was. So if, you, if we feel the energy that's inside of the sukkah, then it's actually really inappropriate to try and sleep there. Now, God forbid, I'm not talking against anyone that sleeps in the sukkah. The Shulchan Aruch is telling us to sleep in the sukkah. But at the same time, if someone recognizes the energy the sukkah is bringing with them, then they won't be able to. They won't be able to fall asleep. And we find similar examples for this, where the Torah sets down a standard. But if someone is recognizing truly the depth of what is going on, then we're going we're gonna to recognize that. And as we said before, if someone is in pain, they're exempt from sleeping in a sukkah. Yes, David. Mm -hmm. 
if you sleep in a holy place, is there not a possibility that you could suffer death at the hand of heaven? I don't recall to give a, an affirmative answer. Okay. Okay, so now we have clarity why the previous rabbi didn't go to sleep. Because he saw with his own eyes the makifim divina, the tremendous energy that the sukkah brought. I don't know about you, maybe you see it, but I don't. When I'm in the sukkah, I don't feel that energy. So why am I not sleeping in the sukkah? Why are you not sleeping in the sukkah if you are? No problem. But if it's your cousin, not to. And I want to share with you an amazing Gemara in Tractate Sukkah, 32b. The Gemara asks, number seven, Aravot is Hadasim. The Hadas has how many branches on it? Three. What are the circumstances of a dense-leaved tree? What are the circumstances of the Hadas? Rav Yehuda said, It is a configuration where three leaves emerge, emerge from each base. And on the left-hand side, in the picture you'll see, there are three leaves emerging from each base. That is the typical Hadas. Rav Kahana said, Even two leaves emerging from one base. And one leaf that covers the other two emerging from a lower base is called thick and would be accept acceptable for the hadas that we're going to be using for sukkahs. And that's the second picture. You see how there are two leaves coming from one base and a third slightly below it. Just one moment. Is Rav Kana saying that you should use a hadas with two and one under it? Or are you saying you could if necessary. If I remember correctly, because that happens to be the tractate I'm studying. Yeah. But this was a while back. He says you fulfill the commandment by having a, a hadas that has the leaf just slightly under. It is preferable to have all three together. Exactly. Still Even two leaves. Rav Khanna is saying not that you should use Hadas that has two leaves from one point and one under it. But he's saying if that's what you have, it's acceptable. Comes along Rav Acha, the son of Rava. He would purposely seek a myrtle branch configured with two leaves emerging from one base and one base emerging from a lower base and one emerging from a lower base since this statement emerged from the mouth of Rav Kahana. An amazing Gemara. A Gemara that is very often quoted. The Gemara basically is sharing with us that if we learn something novel from a teacher, in a sense we have an obligation to share that. To share that novelty. To share what's this great idea that's, going, that's being taught. And for us, that means, we have this great understanding that we need to share with everyone that the sukkah is not only special because Hashem told us to make it, but the energy within the sukkah is the greatest of its kind. It's makif tibina. So how can you sleep in it? You don't feel it. I'm sorry to hear that. But it's there. It should pain you that you don't feel it. You should 
try, try to sleep in the sukkah, that should pain you that you're able to fall asleep. Hopefully, if you sleep in the sukkah, you'll be like, ha, what a, what a, what a bad guy. That I'm, I, don't even, I don't even care to fall asleep in the sukkah. Really, couldn't that be applied to shul services? Classrooms with teachers and you see kids phones and adults. Is there a problem to fall asleep in a classroom? According to the Torah. Yes. What's the problem? Oh, according to the Torah, I don't know. Yeah. But to me, there's a problem. Well, maybe they're bored. And the teacher is bored. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. There you go. I mean, really. Well, you know, you teach a class and you see somebody going to sleep. I'm going to... Sandra... interested in what you were saying. Does a shul need four walls? No. No. In other words, the greatness that the sukkah brings is something that even the shul doesn't have. This is actually quite an interesting idea. I never thought about it, but you, you awakened it within me. There's a mitzvah to have a gathering place for people. There is a, a mitzvah, not one of the 613 mitzvahs, but there is a mitzvah for us, for every community to have a place for Jewish people to gather. There is no definition of how that configuration should look. When we say that the sukkah entails with it the surrounding power of Bina, that is something that seemingly is something even the great even a synagogue doesn't possess. And that is why um, in synagogues you, you shouldn't go to sleep, but there is a method how you could go to sleep inside of a synagogue. A yes, a method. Because it has to be built with the with that intention in mind. But uh, we could talk. I don't, I don't want to go. Off, I don't want to go off topic there. But, so, so let's regroup. Let's summarize, and then we'll take any questions. And and uh, we're going to conclude, of course, with hearing a few words. We know that we want to be scrupulous on sukkahs and do what's appropriate. So why is it though that we're scrupulous about drinking water in a sukkah, but sleeping, however? Not only we're not scrupulous about it, we were scrupulous to not sleep in the sukkah. And we said it can't be just because it's uncomfortable. Because it's uncomfortable to drink in the pouring grain. I, I have memories in the sukkah that I'll never forget. I have on like a $200 suit and the rain is coming and there's no choice because you have to eat in the sukkah on the first night of sukkahs and you're not going to put on pajamas. And that was the last time, the first and last time you ever wore that suit, you know? And, and, and I'll, I, these memories are engraved in my mind. And they'll always be engraved in my mind. So we're, it's, it's not that we're not sleeping in the sukkah because we're lazy. And we learned, the answer is, as the Mittler every turned to his followers, he said, how is it possible to sleep in Makifim Dabina? So really the crux of the answer is number five. How is it possible to sleep? in the sukkah which has this amazing power and as we've discussed if someone wouldn't, couldn't sleep that way in their house you don't have to sleep that way in the sukkah and as we mentioned that we learned from Yaakov just like Yaakov said if I had known this was the base Amikdash I would have never slept if you know what you're dealing with yeah, how can you sleep there it's been a real pleasure thank you very much and a few questions Mr. Mendel isn't it true that if you just, uh, you say the uh, uh, shape of sukkah and do a mosi, if it's pouring rain, then you can finish the meal 
outside the house. Correct. You don't have to sit there and suffer through the, through the rain. That is correct. But what I'm sharing is, I was taught by my father, who was taught by his father, that we will eat it, we only eat in the sukkah. This is, a, this is something, this is something we've accepted on ourselves. And but not, not in a $200 suit. Right? In a $200 suit. I, I, if I'm sitting in the sukkah, and I'm going to, on sukkahs I only eat in a sukkah, rain or no rain. For the first night? No. Every if, night? Like the previous rabbi. The previous rabbi, and that's what we mentioned before, he was scrupulous, no matter what, he would only drink water in, the, water in a sukkah. Rain, no rain, didn't matter. That's something that I've, as his follower, accepted upon myself. On sukkahs, I will only eat and drink inside of a sukkah. And that just reinforces the fact that we can't say we sleep outside of the sukkah because we're uncomfortable. No, it has nothing to do with being uncomfortable. We'll, 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 we'll lose our pants. To eat in the sukkah, we could certainly lose it to sleep in the sukkah. So we're not sleeping in the sukkah because of the holiness that we recognize of the sukkah. But you committed a grave error. Okay. You should have worn a raincoat. <laughs> I wore a raincoat and it was pouring so hard. It didn't matter. <laughs> no, I'm being so. Any other questions? Okay, thank you very much everyone. Have a wonderful